Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right! My goodness, I wouldn't have believed it if I did not see it. I don't care. You could have walked out Ernest Hemingway. You could have had Walter Cronkite give me total leather until, again, total leather with Riley Patterson for the game-winning field goal. You could have the best journalists, the best writers in the history of mankind. Tell me how the Jaguars came from behind. Up 27 nothing, and I wouldn't have believed it. I'm still partially in shock. And that is just out of this world, just absolutely, totally, positively incredible uh, to witness as to what did take place this past Saturday night. All right, what a week it's going to be. Another great opportunity for the Jaguars. I mean, right on the surface, you look at Kansas City and you're like, yeah, good luck. You know, they were down 20 nothing earlier this year, yet they came back, they made it a game. All of a sudden, you know, they put up 17, end up being a 27-17 contest. Kansas City gets that extra week of rest. At this point, how can you go against them after what they just do on a, on a week-to-week basis? I mean, I say it each and every week when I get back here. It sounds a little bit like this. Feel free to do something early. I mean, the Jaguars are down 17, they're down 17, they're down 9, they're down 10. And then this past weekend... They're down 27. That's five consecutive games where they have been trailing by at least two possessions. Yet this team will give you 60 solid minutes. And, you know, you got to credit Doug Peterson. Uh, you've got to credit everyone else involved for having that makeup uh, emotionally, mentally, to not get distracted, to not allow things to completely go uh, to the wayside, and that was the case this past Saturday. All right, it's good to have you with us. My name is Rick Ballou, with you tonight till 8. We are alongside the producer of the program, JJ. Uh, not really sure where to start because, I mean, this is, I can't, in football, nothing comes to mind. And, you know, I watched Frank Reich. I remember that playoff victory when you had the old Houston Oilers and you had the Buffalo Bills and Jim Kelly was out and Frank Reich, you know, was able to do what he did down 31-3. Obviously, the choke and doke is what people around here will remember most, but Florida State, in the choke and doke, they didn't completely finish off Florida. You had to wait until a month later until you played the fifth quarter in the French quarter, uh, you know, a Sugar Bowl uh, matchup after the 31-31 to tie. Uh, this one, I, I, I just, I don't even know what else to say, okay? I mean, early on, it just looked like, you know, Los Angeles, not only were they the better team, they were physically pounding 
Jacksonville's wide receivers, the defensive backs were. And I know that that upset quite a few people because many believed uh, that the officiating was awful in this game. And it's tough to argue with that, although it did kind of rear its ugly head late uh, for you know Los Angeles, particularly when Boza got hit with his second um, unsportsmanlike conduct 15-yard penalty. And of course, that one resulted in moving the two-point conversion up and it ended up being just you know out of this world those those 30 to 60 seconds or however how long it was until Trevor Lawrence you know took the snap jumped over the pile to get a two-point conversion and that's what this whole night was about it was about second guessing you know it was about what is going on it was about what are they doing and you know, just one after another, after another, uh, you know, not being able to move the ball at all in the first half. The four interceptions that Trevor Lawrence threw in the first half. The ability to score late before halftime, which ended up really being a, a huge changing point in this game. It was not great defense by the Chargers. And, you know, you drive the field, you set up a touchdown, it all of a sudden becomes a 27-7 game. And, you know, right before that was you had the fifth turnover. Obviously, you had the punt uh, that that hit Chris Claybrooks, and once again, Los Angeles got the ball. From that point on, Jacksonville would never not score again. Their last five possessions, okay, after doing nothing the entire game, you scored right before half. Okay, 47 yards and a touchdown. You come out to begin the third quarter. First possession, a 14-play, 89-yard drive. Taking seven minutes and 17 seconds. And again, I'm in the booth. I'm sitting next to Dave Campo, and we're evaluating and analyzing uh, each and every play after each and every play. And at that point, I'm kind of like, well, where's the, where's the oomph here? Where's the motivation here? You know, you, you got to pick up the pace. And, and certainly they did a little bit later in the football game. But that first drive in the third quarter, again, ate up a ton of clock. They ate up half the quarter, 7 minutes, 17 seconds. They go 89 yards, touchdown. You force a punt. Five plays, 68 yards. Takes 2 minutes and 14 seconds off the clock. Touchdown. Nine plays, 70 yards. You take three minutes and 22 seconds off the clock. Touchdown. Two-point conversion. Who goes for a two-point conversion when you're down 30 to 26? Think about that for a moment. 30 to 26 to make it a 30 to 28 ball game. And, of course, after doing what they had to defensively, they got the ball back, and at that particular time, it, it reminded me a little bit of the Super Bowl a few years back when it was the Patriots and the Falcons, right? It was 28-3 in that game. You knew that New England, every time they touched the ball, was going to score, and you knew that if that game went into overtime and if the Patriots got the ball first – they were going to win. They were going to score. It was, it was so blatantly obvious. That's the way it felt here, at least in my opinion, for the Jaguars very late in the game. It was simple. Just get them back the ball. And all of a sudden, these receivers who weren't able to get open did. And, and, and how about the money? And how about the 
criticism that was used during the offseason on overpaying for Christian Kirk. Eight receptions, 78 yards, and a touchdown. People didn't even know who Zay Jones were. You, you would have to be um, a fantasy football player only to know who Zay Jones was. Am I, am I wrong here? I mean, he all of a sudden you overpay him. What does he give you yesterday or Saturday? Eight receptions, 74 yards, a touchdown. Evan Ingram, all right, all this pedigree, all this fortune. He drops the ball. He can't stay healthy. Seven receptions, 93 yards, and a touchdown. The three free agents that Trent Bulky spent money on to help this organization take a turn for the better, not one, not two, but all three came up, and they were enormous, especially in the second half. That last drive, 10 plays, 61 yards. You take 309 off the clock. Brandon Staley's doing his best. I guess Bill Belichick back in the Super Bowl against Seattle, not calling timeouts, finally does call a timeout for the first time in our lifetime. You see a referee physically assault, okay, Logan Cook, the individual responsible for getting the snap from Ross Matisik and, and, and putting it down there for, uh, for Patterson. And, and, and to see that, Again, sitting next to Dave Campo. Dave Campo has been a coach, you know, nearly his entire life in college football and in the National Football League. He had never seen anything like that uh, before. And, you know, I understand freezing the kicker. Well, freeze the kicker earlier. If you freeze the kicker that late, you should be allowed a free attempt of a field goal. And I've never understood. I don't want to compare kicking a field goal to being a weekend golfer. But how many times have you heard, oh, you know, the second guy would be on the PGA Tour. If you were able to get a do-over, if you were able to get a mulligan, think of some of the greatest mulligans in the history of sports around here. Uh, Let's say the 1996 National Championship game when Florida, you know, that first game they played against FSU just got, it got flushed. It didn't mean anything. You got a mulligan. You went out and were able to do it again. You line up like a 12-foot putt, and you just barely miss it. You know, you push it. Maybe you pull it. Maybe it breaks a tiny bit left. Maybe it breaks a tiny bit right. Whatever the situation may be, you have your buddy send that ball back to you. You do it again. It almost always goes in. Why would you freeze a place kicker right before he kicks it? He gets that free opportunity to test the wind, to, to, to look at everything. If you're going to freeze him, freeze him early. And Brandon Steele, he waited, but he got the official to certainly do his part uh, just out of this world, what we did witness. All right, so, so much to do. I, you know, I was thinking a lot about this. I, I did so yesterday when I got up early and played golf. I uh, was finished in time for, you know, both playoff games, all three playoff games, I guess I should say, on Sunday. And we know that there's a, a big one coming up tonight that is going to be uh, hopefully really entertaining as, uh, as Dallas tries to go into Tampa and knock off the Buccaneers. But, you know, so much was ringing through my head, and, and, and I was like, how do I approach this one? How do I approach this show? You know, down 27 nothing. you come back, you win – and 
part of me was like, should I do it or just let it be? And, yeah, I think for the most part, I'm going to let it be at least tonight. But we should almost have a segment where we reread in-game tweets. You know, that, that is something that I think I may do in the future because, and I, I want to tell you something, I got a pretty good damn source. It's called my cell phone. And cronies of mine, buddies of mine, some in the business, some not, and those who are not for the most part are very, very long invested season ticket holders of the Jacksonville Jaguars, not to mention others locally and nationally just oozing and oozing their emotions of getting crushed 27 nothing, And starting with Trevor Lawrence and then everyone else around him about, and you know what it is. And then you see the turnaround. And those same people, complete 180. I Listen, I say this because this is what fandom is all about. This is why I love sports fans. You are absolutely passionate, and you are expected to say these things. Say it to yourself. You're driving home right now, right? You're driving, you, you, for the most part, you're probably by yourself. Just ask. Ask yourself right now. How bad did you crush Trevor Lawrence on Saturday night? How bad did you crush other members on this football team on Saturday night? Crush Doug Peterson on Saturday night, and then all of a sudden, a couple of hours later, everything you said, you either deleted or hopefully if you said it to your buddies, it just kind of disappeared in thin air. Um, A lot of people, you know, kind of getting on the fans left early, and, you know, I know some good people who left early. I, I understand. Again, they didn't show up. They were down 24-0. Now, I was at that game at Doe Campbell Stadium in 1994 where I'm telling you, man, 60 to 65 to 70% of the Florida State fans left that game. Many came back in. They went out to the parking lot and started, you know, drinking um, whatever depressant they they could get their hands on. They made their way back into the stadium. I I don't know how it is now. My understanding with, you know, after 9-11 and everything, that if you leave the stadium. You ain't coming back. Yeah, you're not allowed to get back in. So, you know, I know a lot of people went to the bars around the stadium. I know a lot of people left and and did this and did that. That, That's you, okay? Um, Unfortunately, I think a lot of those people, what you're going to see this week is they are going to be bald face liars because now admitting that you left this game is almost like the ultimate bad karma. It's one thing to have left. It's another thing to have gotten caught that you actually left. So I, I, I feel it. I do. I feel it right now. There's a lot of lying. There's a lot of fibbing that's going on. And that's okay. It's no big deal. You know, in, in some instances, I... I don't blame you being down 27 nothing. You, you'd been there for hours, okay? You wanted to beat the traffic and get the heck out of there. And who in their right mind ever would have believed that Jacksonville was going to come from behind and win a football game after trailing 
27 to nothing. All right, that's it. I'm not going to have any more fun with you people. You just you deserve it. You've been through heartbreak. Okay? And you know, I for one I, I you know my my girlfriend dropped me off. Uh that's just the way that I did it. Um and you know, I I wanted to visit some people that 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 I wanted to run into and I did and you know, after the game, I listened to the post-game press conference with uh, with Trevor and with Riley Patterson and with Doug Peterson and and some others and Hayes had to go upstairs and and write and Hayes Carline you know was was nice enough to uh, to drop me off we we live basically in the uh, in the same area and so Hayes probably stayed inside I'm guessing another hour after I left I went outside the tailgating the post-game tailgating that was going on was, I, I don't even remember it being that way in 2017. I know there was only one home playoff game, and that game sucked. It really did. I mean, it was a 10-3 Jacksonville win over Buffalo. But remember, it was just a long, drawn-out, really boring game, okay? You had the touchdown pass from Bortles to Koyak. You had the Jalen pick late to seal it. But it didn't have the theatrics that we witnessed a couple of nights ago. Uh, the post-game party that continued out in, uh, in Lot J and surrounding that stadium was about as good as anything I've seen, perhaps ever, uh, coming out of that building. So that was a lot of fun. A lot of Jag fans, literally in tears. It, uh, and again, I just, I'm never a loss for words. I, I never have been in my life. I still cannot believe that this football team came from behind down 27 to nothing. All right, we're going to grab some of your reaction tonight. As always, the best way to get us is on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. That number is 641-1010. Twitter is up and running. That is Baloo1010XL. Also, you're going to hear from Doug Peterson. He met with the media a little bit earlier today. And I just love his approach. I mean, he was asked so much about the game. And, you know, his whole opinion is basically, well, we don't even have time to enjoy this because you got to take a look at what's next. And and waiting there is the beast. I mean, you got to get through Kansas City at Arrowhead. That is brutal. That I mean, it's almost as if you win. To me, this is the toughest of them all. I don't care if Buffalo knocks off Cincinnati or if Cincinnati was the knockoff Buffalo. Okay, to me, this is the most important, not the most important one because it gets more important as you win. Obviously, an AFC championship game in a week would be more important. And then a Super Bowl two weeks after that would be more important. But if you look at the competition, if you look at the teams that you must face, it's not going to get any harder, at least in my opinion, even if you told me you had to go from Kansas City to Buffalo to taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. In my opinion, this one on Saturday is the most difficult. If you think I'm on drugs, call me out for it. 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. All right, opening comments tonight and every night brought to you by Schmunez Vision. How many of you folks passed out in your contacts early Sunday morning? Not good, not good at all. You know, I can't tell you enough, and I can't stress this enough, sleeping in your contacts is one of the worst things that you can do for your eyes Period. And I know there's some docs out there like, well, you can keep these in for three days. You can keep these in for a week. Uh Uh-uh. 
Yeah, mucus, uh, virus, conjunctivitis, redness in the eye, all sorts of different problems you can end up uh, getting if you do sleep in your contact. Schmunez Vision is absolutely uh, the place that I believe in and always have believed in. It's a family business out at the beach, and they're also... Um, One of their primary focuses is personal high-quality medical and surgical eye care. I had right uh, eye surgery more than eight years ago. Just went in for a normal examination to get my contacts, you know, checked and updated. And Dr. Chuminos is like, brother, we need to get you under the knife immediately. You've got something wrong in your eye. So we did it. Came back out. No problems. Every time I visit, everything is spectacular. You may overlook that. I mean, you're checking everything else in your body because of what's going on in our world. But sometimes you let your eyes, you know, kind of um, you neglect them, um, whether you mean to or not. Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, our refractive surgery. Combined, that's one in 30 years in laser eye surgery. Imagine having that, never having to look for your contacts, your glasses, your readers again, if in fact you're a candidate for laser eye surgery. Make an appointment today, 299-2906, or go to schmunezvision.com. Care you can see. JJ is here. My name is Rick Ballou. I am here. The Jaguars advance to the divisional round. Let's get to some of your thoughts on this game coming up on the other side. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Right, another week of football, 16th of January, and the Jaguars, one of the nine remaining. After tonight, it'll be eight. Tom Brady, 35-12 and 12 lifetime in the playoffs, going up against Dak Prescott, who's 1-3 lifetime. In the playoffs. Matter of fact, you were the NFC quarterbacks. Jalen Hurd, 0-1. Of course, he had a bye. Danny Dimes, a winner yesterday. So he goes to 1-0 lifetime as a quarterback in the NFL with the playoffs. Um, it's be fun tonight. I, to me, it, it, it feels, it smells, it looks like Dallas. It just does. Uh, but can you bet against... Tom Brady. All right, enough of that. Let's get back to the Jaguars. As I say to you folks at least once a week, <clears throat> I we all do things differently. I have always done sports radio to uh, – before I get there, are we on YouTube tonight? I mean, uh, I, know it, on I know it costs a lot of money for YouTube and all this stuff and it, 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 all the money that's being spent in this town – are we on YouTube tonight? Listen, with the Jags winning the way they are, we are willing to throw all the cash we have at our broadcast to make it as good as possible. We are on YouTube. Um, you can go and join our friends who are commenting. Someone says he gave up on the game at half, turned it off, only turned it on after some people were blowing up his phone. I'm sure there was a lot of you guys like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, go to Tencent XL's YouTube page. We're the first video. Give us a click, like, share us with your friends. Yeah, I, I said I didn't want to make a big deal about that, but obviously a lot of people have responded to me, including the 3742 who says, you of all people, talking about fans leaving the game. I will never forget the way you dragged some players on the bus, talking about how much money was wasted on the players. You don't have the right to slam nobody. 
I responded by saying, screw that. I'll slam whoever I want. Uh, here's the difference. I don't really get his logic. Well, here's the difference. My guess is that 37-42 slammed all of these players just like I did. He just doesn't have the balls to, to, to come out and say it. Okay? And, and that's the difference between him and me. How many times have I said, go back and listen to my show after Detroit for crying out loud? I fired everyone. I, I can admit it. I love being wrong in situations like this. But you did it too. You fired Trent Bulky. You said that it wasn't going to work with Trevor. I, again, I don't even want to get into it. This is a joyous night. The, the Jaguars came from 27 back, but... No, no wonder there's so many problems right now uh, in our country. It's because of people like that that are so gutless. It's it, it's just amazing. So when the Jags went zero and five in October, were you supposed to just come here on the radio and talk about how great everybody was playing? JJ, so what do we already have? A, no, what do our, we already have? What one hundred? Uh, <laughs> 100 people who have texted us uh, on the text line at 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. He's the only one who said anything, but you know how I am. I'm always going to look for those type of people because I kind of think that that's better radio than, oh, you guys are this and you guys are that, and we all knew they were going to come from behind. And <laughs> yes. In our small TP, we were like, hey, man, you know what? They're down 27 nothing, nothing. but I like our chances yeah. here. Here's what's going to happen. Jacksonville's going to hold them to a field goal, and the Jags are going to score on all five of their possessions. Four touchdowns and a field goal. No, no one saw it. Herbert's going to miss a wide-open touchdown. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew that was going to happen. Um, again, going for it on four. Uh, all right, first of all, going for a two-point conversion. 30-26. Mm. Cojones. And I understand that Boza got the penalty, but, I'm, again, I'm sitting there saying, what is he doing? You know, get get the PAT, make it a three-point game, you kick a field goal, you play for overtime, or if not, you go for the touchdown and try to win it. So they get to fourth and one. And they line up a T formation. And in a situation where you need less than one full yard, you run the football east to west or west to east. I don't know what it was, but it certainly wasn't vertical. Man, it was horizontal on a fourth and one. And we saw it go the other way earlier this year when Jacksonville won 38-10 in Los Angeles. You saw the entire left side of the line seal inside and take out. uh, Boza was out of the game by that time, I believe. But take out the end and the tackle and an outside linebacker. And Brandon Sheriff pulled from the right side to the left side, and James Robinson found a hole and scored like a 50-yard touchdown. Remember that play? Absolutely. It, 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 again, I think it was like a fourth and one then, uh, if, if memory Untouched. serves me correct. Yes. Let's get, to, uh, let's get to Saturday night. Same deal, fourth and one. And it, lost in all this was almost a little bit of a panic on third and short. You know, they had an opportunity to call a timeout. They had an opportunity to – to call the correct play, it's it, it, things were working, but it just felt out of sync. If you and I understand a lot of you forget play by play um, because you're you know you're consuming alcohol or doing whatever uh, it was it like is. a short crossing route that he underthrew <coughs> or something. Yeah, like that. 
And, and, and they were, like, moving it so easily in the second half that y- you look up and you're like, oh, my God, this is a fourth, like, wow. Mm-hmm. I can't even believe that they got to a fourth down. I just assumed they were going to be rolling through everything. And uh, But I, I had no doubt they would make that fourth down. Absolutely none. Especially after the timeout, they get to regroup. And Doug's play calling has been so spectacular, I feel like, for the most part, on uh, those short plays. First half, Trevor Lawrence, 77 yards, one touchdown, four picks. Wow. Second half, he only had four incomplete passes. You know, he, he started off the game completing four of his first 12. Yeah, he had as yeah. many completions as interceptions. He did. Four, four completions, four interceptions. He was four of 16, not four of 12, four of 16. In his second half, he only had four incomplete passes. One of those was on third down. So let's get to fourth down. They, they line up in a T, an old school T. And, again, when all you need is a yard, and we learned this way back when, the, the, the quickest point from, you know, the, the quickest distance from point A to point B is what? It's a straight line. So that's what you're going to do, right? You're going to man up here and, uh-uh. Instead, they run Travis Etienne. You see the phenomenal block by Zay Jones. And you look at Samuel Jr., the guy had – a historic game with three picks, but all of a sudden you have one-on-one. Travis Etienne against Asante Samuel Jr., and Etienne's got him beat. He's got him beat to the corner. Ended up picking 25 yards. So we wondered about this play. Let's set it up. Doug Peterson was able to spend a little bit more time on this today, and he credits offensive line coach uh, Phil Rauscher. Let's talk about the fourth and one. No, we did not draw that up in the dirt. Um, I spoke with Peter after the game and um, over the phone, and maybe that's the way it came across. No, Phil, Phil actually um, uh, had that play. It was in a short yardage situation for us uh, during the game. We didn't obviously didn't need it until at the end, but you know it gave the appearance of a, of a QB sneak with the way everybody lined up tight behind the quarterback. You're starting to see some of the push technique, you know, around the league and stuff with the quarterbacks, and so we sort of simulated that. Um, with the formation and, and um, you know, but it was more of a off tackle type play and, and guys uh, guys executed it really well and kind of won the game for us. All right, let me put this in perspective. We've spent all year discussing this brain trust on offense. Okay, Jim Bob Cooter, Press Taylor, Mike McCoy, the one of the group who's a former head coach, along with Doug Peterson. Those four brains. They've all been deeply involved over the years as either a head coach, two of the four have, um, a play caller, or at least in charge of the running or the passing side of things. So you have all those brains working at nauseum. And they allow the offensive line coach to tell them that in a short yardage situation, this play is going to work. Again, they ran they ran a horizontal play on fourth thing less than a yard. So Doug Peterson was asked about his offensive line coach, Phil Rauscher. I can't say enough great things about Phil. Um, obviously, prior to me hiring him, I didn't know much about him. You know, just um, had talked to some people around the league and, you know, I didn't have any personal experience with him, but but uh, came highly recommended and, and um, you know, I knew that from 
the moment I met him, you know, in the building that that he and I were going to uh, have a great connection, um, not only, you know, personally in the office, but but also, you know, on the football field as well. And But the way he has coached these guys, um, he's hard on them, he's demanding on them, but he's fair and he's honest and, and um, he really gets the most out of them. And, uh, you know, then on top of that, he's, he, he's a great schemer, you know, um, and, and puts, you know, great run plans together and, and um, <clears throat> really does a nice job even in-game making adjustments for us, you know, when we need them. And just, uh, again, can't say enough good things about him. The only time I've really had an opportunity to talk with Phil Rauscher was uh, right after he was hired and it was upstairs at the bank in the building. And I had a, a nice sit down with him, asked him about his um, his preference as far as his style of blocking, whether it was, uh, you know, man-to-man principles, whether it was zone blocking principles. And for him, it was the latter. And just his whole pedigree, um, he's got a mouth like a sailor, which, by the way, I love for a football coach. For an O-line coach, that you better. Be, you have to have that. Yes, hired. you got to. But so much was made, and again, I made a big deal about it. Mike Caldwell was what? First-time defensive coordinator. Okay. Press Taylor, even though he's not calling plays. First-time offensive coordinator. First-time special teams coordinator. Lost in all this is Phil Rauscher, who has in his career one year under his belt as an offensive line coach, and that was in 2021 with Minnesota. Now, he was an interim offensive line coach in Washington, D.C. in 2019 after a firing there. He's been assistant offensive line coach. He's been that a, a couple of stops, including in D.C. and including in Minnesota. But that's different. I mean, if you know, you know this. If you're an assistant, it's, it's not your call. It's the position coach's call. So this man has learned he started at UCLA, where he played football in 2006 as a student assistant. He's only 37 years of age. And he has put in the time, put in the effort. And to hear that they trusted him, just think about that. Because that's what always has really gotten me about this room. Is, is For those of you, and I don't know this because I'm on a coach, okay, but I believe that coaches are wired like this from talking with them for decades. Every coach out there thinks that they are the best. And frankly, they should, okay? They learn, they retain, they comprehend, but they're also going to do what once they're given their opportunity? They're going to make some changes to what they think is the best way to get something done. You're never going to find a coach who is exactly like the coach they learned under. It can be the way you address the team. It can be the way that you practice. It can be anything. Every coach is going to do something a little bit differently. So here we go again. Peterson, Taylor, Cooter, McCoy, all of these brilliant offensive minds. And they look at a 37-year-old man in his second year as an offensive line coach and with the season on the brink, you run a horizontal play and pick up 25 yards? It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. All right, let me take a break. Let me do it. I, I, I just, I, I mean, 
Fourth and a yard? If he had gotten snuck, I mean, again, I hate to play the what if, but if he had gotten tackled behind the line of scrimmage, the response would have been, what the hell are you doing running the ball behind? Why aren't you just running straight? That would have been it. That's what makes like, this so much fun. Put the ball in your best player's hands. Yeah, Let you, Trevor just, win it, you, you know? just saw what Trevor did. Exactly. With those long arms, he picked up a yard. Why not give it to Trevor again for the sneak? Trevor's become like the – remember how good Tom Brady was at that? Yeah. Trevor is that now. After last year, apparently he didn't know how to do it. They never practiced it. Now Trevor, I feel like, is like 10 for 10 on QB sneaks this year. Man, this team to last year's team. Urban it's Meyer in the middle of the about. season wow. actually telling us that they've never practiced a quarterback <laughs> sneak. Trevor never ran it at Clemson because he was always in the shotgun. Trevor never has taken a snap. Trevor's never run a quarter. Remember the, remember the goal line problems last year? Wow. So, anyway, very impressed. Really, um, you know, I, I still can't get over that play, and it worked. Obviously, it worked. I mean, it put him in field goal range. Two plays later, they, they you know, they solidified the victory. All right, let's uh, let's get some feedback from you. Six four one ten ten. Want to come back? I I, I got to get to the defense because they kept a minute. I mean, I think the longest drive the entire game for Justin Herbert was sixty eight yards. They got phenomenal field position because of the five turnovers. The defense kept a minute, especially in the second half. So we want to come back and talk about that. Also, Walker Little, what a performance. And, you know, that's all of a sudden going to be, so, you know, it's going to be a complicated issue. But that's for, ne- you know, next year or later on this year. Obviously, Little, what do you have? 38, uh, here it is right now. He had 39 pass blocking snaps on Saturday night. Zero pressures against two of the very, very good defensive ends in the NFL if you look at Boza and you look at Khalil Mack. All right, we got much more to do. 641-1010, best way to get us on the text line. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You can also get me on Twitter. That is Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. 4.30 on Saturday. NBC will have it. I believe Al Michaels will not be there. Had a lot of people expecting me to get off on Al. Here's the deal. He's not worthy of any attention today, uh, perhaps later in the week. But I did bump into him in the press box. He's just a miserable dude. I got a million dollars to call the game. He's What's getting destroyed. His height, weight, build. He's kind of hunched over now. He's got the little hunchback in Notre Dame going. Well, he's like 80. Um, I'd say he's five. I'd say he's five, seven and a half, 175. Exactly what I expected. Jacksonville, somewhere in the neighborhood of an eight, eight and a half point, nine point underdog, uh, depending on where you shop. Okay, total is 52. Uh, for what it's worth, all five totals went over during wild card weekend. Also, the Which means underdog. An under tonight, by the way. Yeah, the underdog went four and one. All right. 
home fa- uh, home teams went four and one. The only under- underdog was Jacksonville. Of course, Tampa's a three, maybe two and a half point dog. Uh, again, depending on where you shop tonight, so they would be your second home underdog. Uh, just nuts. Fifty-two oh seven. Below, we have to give props to whoever managed picking last year's draft. Trevor Travis Tyson, Little, Cisco, so far, home run picks. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, there's no doubt, and, and we'll talk much more about this during the offseason. Trent Bulky did a wonderful job. We, we still don't know if it was all bulky. We don't know how much Urban Meyer was involved. I'll say forever. I, I do. Be, for me, in my money, Travis Etienne was an Urban Meyer pick, and, and I may be wrong, but yes, credit has to go to uh, – to Trent Bulky. Interesting enough, there was a columnist in town here a couple of weeks ago who wrote about it and actually credited Dave Caldwell as the guy who made those picks. I, I have seen that that has now since been edited. So nice job. And I won't give out the name because I'm too good of a guy, right? And and that's just not uh, that's just not the way that you should do things, Baloo. Be respectful to your elders. Um. Yeah, I don't want to get into the new quarterback. I don't know anything about Nathan Rourke. I read about him. It looks good. I mean, that that's to be a, a you know a backup quarterback. Does he I, get a ring when the Jags win the Super Bowl? I don't know. Like if you never play on the team, but you sign as like a practice squad guy in week three of the playoffs. Yeah, I I would say uh, I would say yes. I, I, would I think love that. I think everyone coming in. Uh, gets it. Uh, 71-69. Blue, that fourth down call was sick. It made up for passing on third down, which made me sick. Yeah, that, you know, it was, it was a couple of things that they did. I mean, the, the first time they, they chased and they went for two. And I thought it was too early. It, certainly in that situation on third down where they were really moving the football, I thought um, was the wrong play. And, you know, that, that's what makes this game Really fascinating. Rick, I think you worked up over a small percentage of the population. What about the majority of us who stay positive throughout the season in the game? Um, of course I'm worked up. Why wouldn't I be? I mean, this is amazing. And it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm throwing fans or people under the bus. This is what I'm trying to say to you is this is why I love fans. Because that's the way it is. That's the way it's that's the way it's gonna be. Okay? I mean, watch tonight's game. If Dallas loses, they're gonna crush Jerry Jones. They're gonna crush Mike McCarthy. You know, they're gonna wonder if Dak Prescott is is really the man. If 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 Tampa loses, then you know, they're gonna go nuts on uh Byron Leftwich tonight. And, you know, that's it. Brady can't do it anymore. I mean, that that's that's fandom. But I I like to look back on it. And I totally disagree with you. I, it seems like yesterday to me when Trevor Lawrence missed Travis Etienne in Washington, D.C. at goal line a couple of times. And Travis Etienne dropped a walk-in touchdown. And being up 14 nothing and electing not to kick a 51-yard field goal in Philadelphia. And, and the five-game losing streak. I mean... So, no, I totally disagree with you. I don't think you'll find anyone who does what I do in this city who's more interactive with Jaguar fans. 
whether it's the text line, phone calls, no matter what it is. And there's never been a season like this with, with massive ups and massive downs. And every once in a while, I'm going to reflect upon it. Not only do they have massive ups and downs within the season, but within games, like within drives. They were in the midst of losing five in a row. And they were down 17 nothing to the Raiders. Exactly. Okay, I just can't forget that. And again, I'm interactive. I, I, I listen to what people are saying, and it's pure emotion. It doesn't make you a bad person, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't. You're just emotional. But I don't want to throw them under the. I don't want to throw people here under the bus. But I, I'll show you my, my, my text right now in game. We find this one very respectful person. Uh, yada yada yada. Here it is. Nine twenty three on Saturday night. Two words. Trevor sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's, I was sitting right in the in the box, and I get it from someone that that you respect. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's all about. It 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 happens. But but his don't, name is Al Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but don't try to dismiss it. Okay, and I, I don't want this to be the the major point of the story. Okay, the major point of the story is coming from behind and winning. That's the great part of it. And you're never going to change as fans. I, 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 I don't know why, but I've always been kind of the what-if guy. All right? What if it was 27 nothing and they did nothing? What would it have been like showing up here on this Monday? You know what I'd be doing right now? I'd be answering questions that sound a little bit like this. Trevor's never going to be that generational guy. Am I wrong, JJ? I I already had my take ready, which was going to be, wow, they really, for lack of a better term, blew their load last week in the Tennessee, like the way they were celebrating, and you know the way they were celebrating a, a AFC South title, like it was the Super Bowl, and of course we are going to have a letdown this week. We should have all seen it coming. I thought you were going to tell me to get Nathan Rourke <laughs> yeah, ready. Trevor sucks. That Trevor can't do it anymore. <laughs> And he just had a huge year with the BC Lions. Oh, wow. After starring at Ohio University from 2017, 18, and 19. So you think Trevor's looking over his shoulder today? Not one bit. (laughs) All right, let's get to you in our second hour. I see that we do have some callers on the line. We'll get to you, 641-1010. Still the best way to get us is on the text line, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure, 641-1010. 1010. You can also get me on Twitter, Baloo, B A L L O U, 1010XL. Into the Night with Rick Baloo on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, it says here, Ricky B, uh, the nice thing to know is that the Chargers were off sides on the final field goal, so it really didn't matter either way. It's a good point. I didn't get that much thought. Uh, so they would have had a redo. But, you know, there aren't any Charger fans anywhere. So that's a fan base that you'd never have to worry about feeling bad for. But all of a sudden, you look at the state of that franchise. 
that is just crushing. I, I can't see how Brandon Staley stays on as a coach. I'm shocked he's still there as of 7.05 the next day. How can you get those guys ready when uh, – I don't care what – you know, I don't care what it is. When you blow a 27 nothing lead, that all hangs on the head coach, okay? And I understand he's not the one out there making plays and he's not the – but, uh, I mean, just look at their pass to – look at their pass to run ratio when you have a lead. And, you know – Austin Eckler only had the ball six times in the second half after what he did in the first half. And Jacksonville did a nice job against him. You know, he only picked up uh, 2.7 yards a carry. 13 carries, 35 yards. Two went for touchdowns. But when you look at 43 passes and 23 rushing attempts, and then you say to yourself, you're up 27-0. Okay. Running the ball does so much, but the most important thing that running the ball does, especially when you have a lead, is it gets the clock to tick. And when you throw incomplete passes, it's not going to tick. So, yeah, this reminds me a little bit of what we witnessed when New England came from behind against Atlanta, 28-3. Run the football. They didn't run the football. I mean, this has got to be brutal for this football team. Keenan Allen, as good as he was in the first half, he had four receptions. He only caught two balls for 15 yards in the second half. He was targeted 13 times, six receptions. Gerald Everett, who made some phenomenal grabs in the game, you know, six for 109. They didn't get much out of those receivers who were asked to come up and play after the injury uh, to Mike Williams. So anyway, you left Mike Williams in last week. You left some other starters in last week. A lot of people think Boza wasn't 100%. That's on Brandon Staley. This is a game that is absolutely there for the taking. Now, listen, on the same side, you have to give Brandon Staley credit for having his guys ready to play when the game began. All right? you, you did have a 27 nothing lead. And yes, we all know you forced five turnovers four of those off the right hand of uh, of Trevor Lawrence some were so lucky though I mean like the first knock pick, ball oh yeah the second ball. one was sort of a maybe a pass interference the hit ball that hit the helmet on the punt like when you don't have any turnovers and you lose that lead that's all on the coach you know like at least if Herbert was out there in the second half fumbling you know, throwing picks or they muffed a pun or something. You don't put that on the coach. They didn't have any turnovers. I know. Five nothing. <laughs> it 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 makes no sense. None. Again, you're up five nothing in a turnover ratio. Jackson was down. Jackson became one dimensional. Uh, you know, outside of a few of those carries, like the twenty five yarder on fourth and one. But when you look at Jacksonville and you see forty seven passing attempts. In 21 rushing attempts, when you look at that, you say, well, that's a loss. And then on top of that, when you look at five turnovers to zero, well, that's a loss. A blowout. How does L.A. respond? 43 passes? 23 rushes? 
I and think, it's not even 23 rushes. Three of those were sacks. I think seven rushes in the second half for seven yards. Am I wrong about that? I, I think I saw that earlier today. So now the reports are, all right, Brandon Staley, you know, he's going to remain the coach, but he's going to have to make staff changes. Why would you keep this guy on? He's got no faith with that fan base. I remember what he did a year ago. He blew it last year against the Raiders. So, hey, that's their problem. Not the problem here in Jax. All right, let's grab a couple of calls. Why don't we do that? 641-1010 if you want to get in. Anthony is next. Welcome. Hey, how you, how you guys doing tonight? We're good, Anthony. Uh, I just wanted to say that uh, I was at the stadium when uh, the Jazz came back, man. It was, man, the energy down there was crazy, man. I went down there with uh, some of my best friends, Chad and Matt. And, I mean, I was le- I was literally going to leave when they were down 27-0. I said to myself, and I said to my friend Chad, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting in the car. I'm calling my ride when they score another touchdown. And they didn't score. And when they didn't score, it's it, no, man, no Jags, man. The D showed up. Everybody, man. Trevor started. It's like Trevor came out like a new guy. It's like he cut his hair and came out like a new person. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense to be that bad in in one half and then to be that good in the second half. Even even coming out like that, like I've seen it when we scored the, the touchdown before the half. You could see it on those guys' faces. They weren't they weren't trying to give up. And no one in the stadium were leaving. You see, no one were leaving. No. One what happened? And by the way, he he was he was attempting to say no one was leaving, and then he just it was like Area Fifty One, and I had nothing to do with that. For the record, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Me neither. Crappy phone. But I uh, I I do appreciate um, you getting in nonetheless with that. All right, uh, let's see. Um, uh, thirty-two, thirty-two. Blue and JJ was at the uh, BCP tailgate. Um, got the news and interview, which was awesome. Said the Jags scored thirty-one. Okay, yeah, all right. Um, getting a little bit of love here. You, you know, I would never make it about me. You know that, JJ. I would never do that. Never. You're um, selfless. Nope, I am. And uh, you know, but I did call for a thirty-four, thirty-one Jaguars victory, and I call for the over. So usually, I only hear from the peeps. When I get it wrong, uh, but he said Blue read it on air. He predicted 34-31 in the over. Took the Jags plus the two and a half. Took over uh, the 43.5. The family made some money. Well, there you go. Break bread, sir. Jeez. Doesn't happen much, but every once in a while. It does. JP, uh, Blue, you should do that. Read Twitter tweets. Uh, read hackers on air. <laughs> yeah. Heck, it's very emotional during games. Hey, there's nothing wrong with getting emotional. I love it. I get emotional, but for for one reason or another, Jaguar fans um, don't get on me about Jaguar tweets, even if they're not pleasant. I, and I, I appreciate that relationship, whereas with Florida State, it's the exact opposite. You have to be sunshine and rainbow Oh, my God. If all I, the time. If I say anything, wrong about Florida State I I get just I just get called to the car in in you know I don't know what I'm I don't know what it is I think it's just a fan base that has won versus a fan base that's always lost yeah like as a Jags fan you're just constantly pounded you know like you're 
by the media. Even when you win, you got people like Cowherd making fun of you. Cowherd's an idiot with that comment about no home field advantage. Yeah, in like, Jacksonville, he, he was he was like, if you listen back to it, he was putting both teams together. And it's like, yeah, the Chargers don't have anyone at their games because they just moved there. Like, the Jags don't have anyone at their games because they've been losing. But when they do come, the week before he said that, it was packed. It was loud. That's the problem with a lot of the national media. They're, they're not interested in what's going on around here. And when you're out in L.A., where he's at, mm-hmm. And he knows that Jacksonville's won four games in two years. He's under the impression that they do not have a good fan base. He could not be more wrong. But my guess is this. He's never, my guess is that this year he has not watched a full Jaguars game. They did have a Thursday nighter, right? And that was a rough watch. Right? Yeah, um, the Jets. So maybe he watched that. Obviously, you watched the playoff game. Then again, he may have been a guy of 27 nothing. I think he's a college hoop guy. He might have flipped over and watched some <laughs> college hoops or, or some stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can't – there are some national members of the media that, that you can trust. I mean, go, go look at Brian Baldinger, my buddy Baldy, and his breakdown. He broke down that fourth and one call about as well as anyone I've ever seen uh, break it down. All right, let me come back. Let's grab some more. 6401-1010, also a busy day in college football. If you have not heard, C.J. Stroud announced that he is going into the NFL draft. Today was the final day. Uh, we're, you know, we're 100 days away from the NFL draft. And again, it's just so fantastic to not even have to talk about the NFL. If I was a look back, I save all my notes from all the shows I've done for years. I'm going to go back right now. And, and find what January 16th, January 16th, 2022, what my topics were on that particular uh, during that particular show. OK, it is so it was probably incredible. a coaching search. It, it, you know what? It probably was. Sadly, the Jaguars, unfortunately, really dropped the ball on 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 the on the hiring process. I mean, they got the right guy. Accidentally, but it just took them uh, way too long in order to do that. But you know, 100 days away, so a couple of guys did announce that they're going pro today, and that included uh, C.J. Stroud. I, I think the belief is, you know, once again, Bryce Young is going to end up being the number one pick, and Jim Harbaugh also did announce today that he is going to stay at Michigan. For another year. So we got much more to do. 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures or get us on Twitter. That is Baloo1010XL. Into the Night with Rick Baloo on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, looking back at, uh, at last year's show January uh, January 16th in uh, in 2022 was a Sunday so this is actually the Monday show January 17th top of my line says the Jaguars are rolling over 25 million uh, to the salary cap which sat at 208 million. Talked about candidates that 
Trent Bulky and Shad Khan were interviewing. In on Friday was Nate Hackett. In on Saturday was Matt Eberflus. Okay. Uh, just to refresh the listeners, uh, Nate Hackett was fired before the season ended, and uh, Matt Eberflus has the number one pick in the draft. Uh, I have Mike McCarthy written down here, 815 to two years. I don't know what that means, but I also have Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn as a possibility. I then have uh, who looked bad, who looked the best after the wild card weekend. There was an inadvertent whistle during the Cincinnati Las Vegas game. Fans are trashing the referees, particularly during the Cowboys game. Forgot about that whistle. The officiating, once again, is absolutely horrible. We got a serious problem on hand. We really do. And, you know, I witnessed it um, last night as well. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Was that during the Giants? It was during the Vikings-Giants game. afternoon, yeah. I think that my daughter's 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 daughter, whenever that happens, they still will not yeah. know in the NFL how to define what a catch is and what a catch is not. That is the most complicated issue in football. You could talk about roughing the passer. You could talk about pass interference. You could talk about whether or not he got to the first down marker. All of that type of stuff is is good, in my opinion. They got that one wrong, too. On that third and one call where they said he got a first down late in the game. In what game? Uh, I think it was – was it, that the New York game? Was that No, that was Buffalo. That was Buffalo against Miami. It was a bad spot by Buffalo. Uh, you know, last play of the game, second to last play of the game. But JJ, they cannot figure out what is a catch and what is not a catch. It's 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 and, all the time. And because of that, you know, it it screwed the Jags because they called a catch that was not a catch a catch, and then it, they snapped it too quick for Peterson to be able to challenge it. And so, yeah, it's constant like that. How about, I know this went for the Jags, so you guys probably love it, but the way that when Bosa got his first 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike, when the ref, like, kind of, he obviously said something to him, but the ref, like, went back at him, wanting him to say it again just to throw the flag, like, got in his, I've never seen that before. There was some weird refereeing stuff yesterday, including the Logan Cook, like you said earlier, he assaulted Logan Cook when they caught a timeout at the end of the game trying to ice Patterson. Like, the refs are weird and they suck, man. Mm-hmm. And it's always been an issue. All right, let's get back to this. I'm looking at the day later. We made predictions. Were you with me in January? I, was RJ I was, still I there? Believe. January 19th, 2022? I, I don't think so. I don't remember. Um... Oh, actually, it, it doesn't involve your predictions. It, it, it involves the coaches who are getting fired and the new coaches are coming in. I, I do have right here uh, Doug Peterson. For the Raiders, I have Jim Harbaugh. Hmm. Got that one wrong. Yeah. Uh, for Denver, I had Hackett. For nice. Houston, I had Flores, which didn't work. For Miami, uh, it says they're the Bills' offensive coordinator. So I got that one wrong. For New York, I had Brian Dayball. I was able to get that one right. 
All right, enough of that. Enough looking back. But, I mean, the only reason why I did is because this is great. We're 100 days out, and there's there's zero talk about the NFL How draft. impressive are those two hires, though, Peterson and Dayball? Very impressive. Completely changed everything about the culture with these teams. You know, they just went into Minnesota and won against the third. I know that they were the worst, quote-unquote, 13-win team in NFL history, but to go in there and win a, uh, with a guy at quarterback who – Everyone thought probably didn't deserve to be an NFL quarterback. And then the Jags, of course, we know what happened with that. The um, the Danny Dimes situation it, it reminds me a little bit of Blake Bortles. Okay? And Blake was great here, and I think you knew what you got out of Blake. point I'm trying to make is in New York, I don't care how far they go, I would be absolutely shocked if Daniel Jones is brought back in as their quarterback next year. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think they're going to go in a different direction. See, a lot of people thought that about Blake, too, and they brought him back. Which? And that was a bad idea. Gave right. him an extension. Yeah. And even that regime was so hard-headed. You know, when they signed Nick Foles and Coughlin and Caldwell, both refused to admit they made a mistake. It was, it was, um, it was arrogance which turned into ignorance. All right? You, and... I remember that particular show. You can't do that to your fans. Admitting that you're human, admitting that you made a mistake is accepted much easier than being hard-headed about how Blake earned that. Okay? It 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 was wrong. But anyway, um you know who uh do you know who Brian Dayball is? Um, like, uh, uh, as a former coach, who does he remind you of? No, just who he is in general. <laughs> is this a fat joke? I don't, I don't know. No, it's not a fat joke. <laughs> it's, it's an admiration. Okay. He's King Kong Bundy. Oh, wow. Brian that Dayball is, is King that, Kong wow. Bundy. I'm sure he would love to hear that. Let's get to Walker Little because th- th- this is, um, this is one of the great stories. And again, this is going to lead to some what. This gonna and, and and I hate to say it because usually and it's being thrown around a lot today. Okay, the Jaguars have three tackles, and what are they gonna do? I'm hearing all this trade Cam and re-sign Juwan Taylor. Typically, when you have three tackles, one of them ends up getting hurt, so it it works itself out. Now, this is not a long-term injury for Cam Robinson. This is not a torn ACL. It's the other knee. And it's an, a meniscus. Um, he could be healthy in a month. Okay. But Walker Little was absolutely sensational, man. 39 dropbacks yesterday. Did not allow one pressure. Today, Doug Peterson was asked about his starting left tackle. I thought he played really well. I mean, he seems to improve each week. Um, really kind of solidifying him. Mean, it's not, not a perfect, not 100%, but, but I think overall, you know, he's getting more comfortable. The more he plays, the better he gets. And, and um, you know, those are two... Really, three if you if you throw Van Oy in that mix, and um, really you know two to three good edge rushers that they have. Um, he did a, he did a nice job. He did a sensational job, and you know I thought early on Jacksonville was really struggling against the pressure uh, from the Los Angeles Rams, but it it wasn't Walker Little. If, if you look at the offensive line, okay and you got to look at pass opportunities. I, 
this is interesting because it's listed as 39 pass opportunities, yet Trevor Lawrence threw it 47 times. I mean, that's pro football focus. And again, pro football focus has their their own math. I, I don't know what else to tell you outside of that. I, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence gets rid of a ball quickly. Um, do they consider that a non-pass rush situation? I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. But again, you can just look at the math right here. You see Trevor Lawrence was 28 to 47. Pro Football Focus tells us that there were 39 drop-back situations uh, for the quarterback. And in those 39 uh, pass protection uh, counts, Walker Little did not allow a pressure. Okay, offensive line pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, Juwan Taylor, four, Brandon Sheriff, two, uh, Shatley, one, and Fortner, one. So that's six, seven, eight. My eye test from where I was, I thought they were all over Trevor Lawrence early in that game. I thought the offensive line got better as the game went along. I thought they got stronger as the game uh, went along. Also as well, and I know it's, you know, I still understand where a lot of people are with this. Josh Allen's been playing some really good football. You realize that Josh Allen Saturday had eight tackles. He had seven pressures. He had one sack, and he had four quarterback hits. He's also loved. He's loved by his team. He's a great spokesman uh, for this club. I'm going to stay with my thought on him that I've had for really for a very long period of time. Jacksonville is going to have other, and this is it as far as the future, okay? But it, it, it's just something I want to mention. I, I, I have, you know, I keep seeing get Josh Allen done. Get Josh Allen done. Now, I don't understand exactly how things work uh, with the salary cap, It'll be cheaper to sign him now than it will be, you know, after the year or if you put a franchise tag on him, um, depending on how much bonus you give him or whatever. But as far as my priority right now, it's got to be right tackle, and then it's got to be Evan Ingram, and then it's got to be Sean Jenkins. And, you know, even though he's got a year remaining and Ray, Roy Robertson-Harris is playing better football, there's no doubt. So they have all these decisions they have to make. The point I'm trying to get at is they don't have to do anything with Josh Allen. Pay him $10.3 million next year, his fifth year, right? And then see what you want to do after the year, if not put a franchise tag on him. You, you can always do that. But he is playing some really good football. And I tweeted out at one point, they had him in coverage, and they picked up a first down. And so there's still some things that this team is doing that I don't agree with, and, and a lot of that is the, the, the dropping back uh, in coverage. On the other side, you saw Trayvon Walker get hit with that 15-yard penalty, which which I thought was Hollywood-esque, okay? I, Very I, L.A. Yeah, I, I thought Herbert sold it. And, and by the way, all the credit to him. Absolutely. If all they the credit to him for selling to it. Trevor, I would have wanted a flag. It, That's the way I look at it. I try to be unbiased like that. The replay is is – is really um, concerning. It's like, it's obvious that the whistle had been blown, and it looks like 
Walker is giving up. He's heard the whistle and he's giving up, yet then a split second later, he pushes him to the ground. And Dumb. that could have, I mean, honestly, that could have turned the entire complexion of that comeback. Wasn't that on a third down? I think it was like on. Like they were off, they were getting off the field. I think it was on a third down. I'll have to look back on that. I haven't rewatched the game. Part of it is because I, I was told just how bad that Al Michaels was. <laughs> I've got to, I'm going to have to do that at night. I, I got to be honest with you. In order to listen to Al, I have to be under at least two substances. <laughs> One is an alcohol and something else. I'll let you figure it out. I, I just can't do Al sober. I feel bad okay? that Tony Dungy was getting pulled into this because he is such a lovable, nice guy. He's always been very monotone. Like, you know what you're getting with him. You have to have somebody to counteract that. You can't have two, you know, Laid-back guys on the broadcast. His uh, his game-winning field goal call is one Atrocious. of the worst. And, you know, his whole deal was the – you know, flags. he hates flags. Al probably figured they threw a flag just to piss him off. Um, But, you know, I thought his fourth down carry by Travis Etienne – and I'm only talking about calls that I've seen that have gone viral because I haven't listened to the game yet. For those who were at the game, this is Al Michaels' legendary call. Let's go. Likely on Kansas City. Here we go for the win. Got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field. But there's it's a so penalty annoying. marker. And they call it on the defense. Yeah, that means the Jags won out. Yeah, that, that, that's just... And, and as someone who who follows this but becomes incredibly annoyed. Let's play this again. Listen to the way that Al, okay, says that there's a flag. He's saying it in a way that he's so pissed because (laughs) he hates officials, he hates flags, he hates reviews, he hates games that are one-sided. He hates the two teams. Am I wrong? Listen to Al here on the flag. It's like they threw the flag just to piss him off. Likely on Kansas City. Here we go for the win. Got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field. And the way he says, like, as everybody, like, he's ready to be like, he didn't even say it's good. This didn't count. Can we play it again? He didn't even say it's good. There's a penalty marker. No, he didn't. Let's go one more time. We'll go three for three. Here we go for the win. Got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field. (laughs) He's he's annoyed. Yeah, got it, but, you know, flag down. Well, you you know Al's point here is that everyone's running out on the field, so if that had been a false start by Jacksonville, you would have had to have cleared everyone off the field, right? And then again, they would have – they would have declined it, so the game would have been over. But by the way, that kick almost missed. It, it, like the the way that the they do it on TV and the backdrop, it's sort of like hard to tell. Um, I guess because of like the Jaguars' eyes, maybe, uh, um, and it kind of blends in with the football. But like uh, Dicker, the kicker's kick that he missed like a few minutes before this or whenever that was 
it started out right in the middle and then quickly verged yeah. to the left. This one did the exact same thing, but to the right. We tell you, the, the eight years that I was a sideline reporter, I used to do my best to sneak you know, into the end zone mm. to get the best look that I could. From where I was Saturday night, press box. Impossible. No idea. Right. No idea if that's good or bad. It's all crowd reaction. Yeah. And I mean, crowd, I could tell it wasn't blocked or anything. Obviously, I, I could tell it was heading towards that. the uprights. But from where I'm at, you cannot tell if it splits it. Uh, you know, and the Ohio State kick against Georgia a couple weeks ago, that one I would have been able to figure. <laughs> that one I would have gotten, okay? But, but not this one. Shout out to Riley, though. Like, he was great. He was remember before the season, we were destroying the kicking position? Oh, my we God. We were like, it's going to cost the Jags at least one or two games this year, the kicker. You know, they're going to probably bring in three or four starting kickers throughout the season mm-hmm. to try out, and none of that's happened. It would have been such a classic Jaguar scenario. <laughs> to come all the way back and miss To have game. that happen. Oh, that would have been crushing. Um, that guy would have had to retire. Nah, you know, I'm just going to leave that part. Uh, 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 Riley Patterson, oh, by the way, uh, being in the uh, at the press conference, he, he came out and spoke to everyone after the uh, the victory. Pretty, I didn't know that. He was great, I- including walking out. He's like, come on, guys, where's all the excitement? We just won. And, you know, like, hey, this is working press here, brother. Listen. There's no cheering cheer, going on here. And it's one in the morning. That was hilarious, man. There's been some talk about cheering in the press box and all of this and all of that. And, and let me tell you, when that field goal went in, not from anyone that that's on the beat or anyone from 1010XL, no, no, one, no one of the normal uh, ilk who covers the team, but some others who somehow, I don't know who they are or where they came from, it got loud in that box. <gasps> it got I'm, loud. I'm clutching my pearls right now. During that game. I'm offended. Good. Yeah. All right, final thoughts coming up. Hacker will join you at 8 o'clock. Best way to get us is Twitter. That is Blue1010XL. <laughs> Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. 92.47, Rick, I hear that Mayor Curry is planning a pep rally to send off the Jags later this week. I I do not know. Um, I remember Tom Coughlin in Jacksonville had a pep rally in 96 or January of 97 before... Jacksonville flew to Foxborough. I'm trying to remember in 2017. I, m- I remember on the team plane, we flew in. There was a post pep rally or celebration after winning in Pittsburgh. That was when Jalen dropped his famous, we're yeah. going to the Super Bowl and we're going to win. I don't know if it was any pre. Not I that I recall. Neither do I. So I don't know. I'll ask our mayor. I was actually got up with the mayor and, and the mayor to be Daniel Davis. On uh, Saturday, the Miller Electric uh, pregame party. Just uh, hung with those two a little bit. And then the Miller Electric booth, their suite, was the governor, DeSantis. King DeSantis, as far as I'm concerned. Made his way into the game. Um, I don't want to give anything away. Uh And I won't give anything away, because I'm definitely not supposed to. But 
I wouldn't be shocked if 1010XL is part of some type of pep rally come Friday afternoon like they have been the last two weeks. That's all I'll say. You're in the know. I am in the know. I know that I'm doing the show three to six. I know that too. On, I actually have on Friday, Friday afternoon off. I'm excited about is that. Bro- I think Brooksy's going to be with me, right? Yep. Um, you, Brooks, and uh, no, Caroline. Hayes and Caroline. I think uh, Caroline and Frangie are both going. Is we okay. one of, is, yeah, okay. We one of the first. Selfishly, games I, I, I saw that I wasn't working and stopped paying attention. How about that? <laughs> You still got noon to three. Yes, of course. Let so me you're... look. I'm looking right now. Friday. Uh, Carline out early. Belusa it's in. So he'll be here for a little bit, but it's you hmm. and Brooks after that. You know what that's going to do? That's going to affect my party Thursday night at the Fleetwood Mac cover band show. Rumors. Because I was planning on getting just blazed to the... <laughs> To the bejesus bells and then being able to really sleep in on Friday. But Wow, 3 o'clock. That's an early wake-up. <clears throat> uh, latest odds on Jacksonville. If you look at, you know, they're, they're, they're four out of four in the AFC, as, as you would expect, uh, as, you know, the four seed. Uh, let's see right here. Jacksonville to win the AFC is plus 1,200. Okay. Uh, to win the Super Bowl, Jacksonville is plus 2,500. Uh, the AFC, to put it into re- perspective, Kansas City is plus 140, meaning you lay down 100, you know, you lay down $100, you win back 140 bucks. Buffalo plus 180, you lay 100, you get back 180 bucks. Cincinnati 320, you lay down 100, you get back 320 bucks. Jacksonville's 1,200. You lay down $100, you get back $1,200. Super Bowl plus 2,500. And they are eighth out of nine teams in the Super Bowl. After tonight's game, we know that we will be down to eight. Uh, Dallas is somewhere in the neighborhood of a two-and-a-half to three-point favorite tonight against the, you know, Dallas against Tampa Bay. It's amazing because if you look at – this is another just frightening number. There's really no other way to say it. Jacksonville – well, this isn't frightening. I'll get to the frightening part in a second. Jackson, with their playoff victory yesterday, now has eight playoff victories. So they move ahead of Cleveland. Um, next up is both Carolina and Cincinnati. They have nine. Okay, Chicago, Atlanta, and New Orleans, 10. But Jacksonville now sits at number eight. You look at tonight's game. New England and Pittsburgh have the most playoff wins. And this was in the Super Bowl era, okay, since the merger of 1970. New England and Pittsburgh both have 36 career playoff wins. Wow. Okay. Dallas has 35 playoff wins. Tom Brady has 35. No way. Playoff wins. Wait, so how many did the, the Patriots have? Says they only have. It says they have thirty six, which that can't be true. That can't be right. They got to the Super Bowl. This must be since like two thousand, maybe. No, because it's got Jacksonville's. It's got Jacksonville right with the seven. Oh no, I know why. Because Brady's won five games in Tampa. Oh, of course, we're stupid. Yeah, Brady. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Uh, what was that? Ninety seven when they went to the Super Bowl. Right, and in eighty six too, when they got blown up by the Bears, they they beat the Los Angeles Raiders mm-hmm. and they beat the Miami Dolphins. 
in in uh, in Brady 86. has thirty five. Brady's thirty five. <laughs> Brady is thirty five and twelve in the playoffs. Okay, the, tonight he's going against Dak Prescott, who's one and three. The other two quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, who was idle, he's zero and one lifetime in the playoffs. And Danny Dimes wins yesterday in New York, so he's one in zero. So five overall starts in the playoffs against a guy who has thirty five wins in the thirty five wins for Tom Brady. He does get back Ryan Jensen tonight. He's missed the entire year. They're all pro center. Uh, you and I both picked Dallas, and I, I I do think this is this is Dallas's game uh, to win tonight. Hey, as we wrap things up, um, the odds got as high in game on Saturday night, twenty eight to one. Yeah. So the story going around is about that guy who bet when when the uh, uh, Chargers were up twenty seven nothing, he bet one and a half million dollars. To win only eleven thousand dollars, of course, lost the bet. I don't know, but if he would have flipped it around and instead bet that one point seven or one point five million dollars on the Jags, he would have walked away with like a crisp one seventy mil or something like that, like something outrageous. When you're spending a million and a half, what's eleven grand? Why why would you? Why would you you bet all that to win eleven grand? Maybe that's like a Valentine's Day gift you wanted to get his chick or something. Uh, Twenty-eight to one odds if you bet on this, and I I have a good buddy who put five hundred on it. At least he told me he did uh, at eleven to one odds because that was a halftime bet. But if it was in game, you know, it, which halftime is in game, but let, let's say it was in the second quarter and it was twenty-seven nothing. Twenty-eight to one odds. You lay one dollar, you get twenty-eight back. Ten is two eighty. A hundred bucks is twenty-eight hundred. You lay down one thousand dollars, you would have won back. 28,000. How about that? And instead, we got some sucker who bet a million and a half to win 11K. $28,000 is what you would have won. All right, Hackers coming up. Tomorrow night after Helmets and Heels, rest of the week, 6 to 8, Wednesday, 6 to 8, Thursday, from Mr. Chubby's Wings and Fleming Island. And Friday, I'll be in 3 to 6. A lot of people asking about a pep rally. A lot of people asking us about being on the road on Friday. Once I get those details, I will share them with you. Folks, I don't check the text line. I didn't get an opportunity to get back to a lot of you tonight because it is absolutely jam-packed. I'm off the text line now. So if you want to get a hold of me, please do so on Twitter. That is Baloo1010XL. For JJ, my name is Rick Baloo. Keep it right here. Hacker Nation is next. Hacker Nation is next.